What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copan. It's January 15, 2021, and this is Lift and Learn episode 18. In this episode, I'll be breaking down what supplements are the best to take and why you should not be comparing yourself to others. Just compare yourself to yourself. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. So CES 2021 was this week, even though I totally forgot about it. CES stands for Consumer Electronics Show, and that used to be something I paid attention to so heavily in the past because I used to write tech blogs on a website that's actually still live, but I haven't updated that since 2012. And I still follow tech to this day, just not as much as I used to since tech is more of the same thing year in and year out now. Back when I was blogging, we were just starting to get into like touchscreen phones, and I mean, BlackBerry was still relevant in those times, so we were in some sort of transition period, which was exciting. Well, I watched some of the CES recap this week, which shows off companies' most exciting tech for the year, and there were a lot of fridges, home appliance stuff, new micro LED TVs that I'll never be able to afford. Samsung had a bunch of robots out there, and I think the part that stood out to me most was what LG showed off. So they were showing off air purifier stuff, and they have mobile ones. And in the age of COVID-19, they also have this mask they made with a built-in air purifier. And I thought that was pretty cool, actually. Although it did look bulky on the model's faces, so it was a bit funny looking. It literally looks like a small Oculus, you know those VR headsets? It looks like one of those over the face and mouth area instead. I ended up looking up the price because I thought it'd be pretty cool if it was like $100, but yo, it's damn near $300. I read a bit more into it. There's three speed settings for the purifier or whatever, and it lasts up to eight hours, and it takes two hours to charge over micro USB. Come on, man, it's 2021 and we're still using micro USB to charge things. And it also said that you should replace the filter every 30 days. And that's another piece of tech that's too expensive. Moving on, I ended up watching the Cobra Kai After Party series or whatever it's called. And look who showed up. Oh, Billy Freckles, Billy Redface. And that's Bill Burr, in case you're unfamiliar with the nickname. He's so jokes. But it wasn't actually even about Cobra Kai at all. I mean, the, maybe the first 10 minutes were, and then after that it just became about Bill Burr and his stand-up, which was fine, but I mean, it was called Cobra Kai After Party, so it made no sense that they just talked about Bill Burr for 20 minutes in the middle of everything. 
Oh yeah, and the host was David Spade, and I don't really find him all that funny, so his skits were just, I don't know, pointless to me. And about Bill Burr, one of my friends actually put me onto his podcast years ago, and that was one of the first ones I ever started listening to. I still listen to it to this day, and he's probably a tiny little part as to why this podcast exists too, since I might not have even gotten into listening podcasts if it wasn't for him. And on to sports now, let me talk about it for a bit since hockey is finally back, but first let's actually talk about basketball. Raptors are off to a pretty slow start this year though, and COVID just absolutely ran through the league this week. And even though that's going on, Indiana has stated that they plan on allowing fans to start coming to their games starting on January 24th. At first, there will only be 1,000 fans in the stands, but they plan on getting that number up to 4,500 as the season goes on. We'll see how that goes. They already had to stop fans from going to the Tampa Bay Raptors games, so the Lightning hockey team obviously won't have fans either. Last thing about the NBA, one of my favorite players in the league right now, Jason Tatum. He tested positive for COVID this past week. And they announced this the day after they played the Washington Wizards. So it would only make sense that both teams would have to cancel some games because of contact tracing. But nope, the only players from Washington that had to sit out the next week or so games was Bradley Beal. And that's only because they were having a close proximity talk after the game. Man, it's just laughable how the league is handling their contact tracing right now. Like, the bubble was great and worked out amazing for the league, but honestly, this doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, they all touched the same basketball that night, and basketball requires some amount of contact, so they must have been breathing and sweating all over each other throughout the game. League cases are starting to go up, so who knows how this season will continue to play out. Luckily for me, though, I only have one player on my fantasy out related to COVID, so hopefully that number doesn't continue to go up, even though the way the league is handling things, yeah, it's not really looking good. There were a few postponed games this week. Celtics versus Heat was the first one, and then there was a Pelicans-Mavs game, and then another Celtics and Bulls game, and I think like a Phoenix and Atlanta one too. They had a meeting this past Tuesday to see if they should put the season on hold for a week or two, but they ultimately decided to just keep her going. Instead, they said they've decided to put an end to hugging pre- or post-game between players and no tapping hands in between free throws. Only fist bumps and elbow bumps are allowed now, apparently. They've also tightened up on more mask wearing at the benches and players aren't allowed to leave their hotel rooms or wherever when they're on the road or else they could be subject to two COVID tests per week. And last thing about the NBA I had to toss in here in my point form notes. Huge trade happened this week. James Harden going to the Brooklyn Nets to join Kevin Durant once again and Kyrie Irving whenever he decides to come back to actually play basketball. Other notable stars in this trade is that Oladipo and some picks are going to Houston, not Houston, Houston, <laughs> say that properly. Cavaliers got Jarrett Allen and Karis Levert is now on the Pacers. Well, that's it. Now that Brooklyn is completely stacked, it's time for the Raptors to just tank this season because there's no way they're going to get past that trio to get to the finals again. 
on to hockey now. First things first, Corey Crawford has retired. Now, the Blackhawks did let him go this offseason, but he's decided to call it quits and call it a career. Man, he had a good one, and I doubted him in the beginning, but a few years in, I realized that, you know what, he's a pretty damn good goalie, and he showed up in so many important moments throughout his years, and that's why he's a two-time cup champion. I hope he enjoys his retirement. And like the NBA, the NHL had some COVID issues as well. The Dallas Stars had six players and some staff members test positive for the disease, and they won't be starting their season until the 19th, even though the league already started playing games this past Wednesday. Columbus had some issues as well and couldn't even hold most of their training camp because of the same problem. The Chicago Blackhawks, though, that's my team. They did manage to start their season this week without the captain, Jonathan Taves, and they got smoked, just as expected. Not much to say there, but they're going to be competing for that number one draft pick this season, so it'll be a long season for me to watch, sadly. And oh my god, can I please talk about Tesla stock for a second? Wow. Elon Musk is actually going to take over the world. His net worth in 2020 alone went up $140 billion. That's billion with a B. Absolutely insane. This guy has Tesla, SpaceX, The Boring Company, and then he's going to implant his little microchips into our heads sometime this decade if all goes to plan. I don't know how he has time to do all this stuff. Look, take this in. Tesla stock on my birthday in 2019, September 2019, Less than $50, and today, January 2021, what's that, 15 or 16 months later? It's 880 It went from a $50 stock to 880 in 16 months. I can't even comprehend something like that. I mean, I don't even understand stocks fully right now, but that's just ridiculous. On a side note, since we're talking about Tesla and cars... There's apparently been talks between Apple and Hyundai when it comes to cars or a self-driving car. Who knows if that'll actually happen this decade as well. Hyundai also made headlines this week when they bought Boston Dynamics for almost $1 billion. If you don't know who Boston Dynamics is, then they're that company who makes those creepy black mirror-like robots. And they had that video that went viral a few weeks ago where the robots were dancing or whatever. And one last thing before I fully transition over to the fitness topics this week is still health-related, and it's about e-cigarettes, because a new article about it came out this week. Yeah, they do seem to be a bit healthier than smoking cigarettes, but they're still pretty dangerous when it comes to overall health. Apparently, some of the ingredients in these e-cigarettes could actually damage the gut barrier and triggers inflammation within the body. This results in this leaky gut syndrome, which stems from the propylene, how do I pronounce that, propylene glycol and vegetable glycerol that most e-cigarettes tend to contain. And we knew this was a problem before, but we're constantly learning more and more about these little devices that seem like they're harmless since it's vapor now and not smoke, but these companies are still placing these ingredients in there that can still be harmful to you. Topic 1. The best supplements to take. First things first, you do not need supplements to be more healthy as long as your diet is good. 
That being said, taking a supplement like a protein powder may be necessary. For me, I should eat 170 grams of protein for a variety of reasons that I'll go into later, but I can't get that just by eating meat sources or whole foods all day, so I'll have a scoop, which is around 20 grams of protein. But currently, I'm not actually not taking any kind of protein powder because I don't have any on me while I'm in the U.S. right now. Remember that supplements should be just that. Supplements. That means they can be taken alongside a good diet. They do not replace the nutrition side of being healthy. The definition for the word supplement is something that completes or enhances something else when added to it. And the example that Google gives here is the handout is a supplement to the official manual. And that's exactly what supplements are. If we're talking about what the official manual is, that would obviously be our diet. That means eating whole foods and a good overall diet. And the handout are the supplements that you could take. That means it's not really necessary most of the time, but they can help you if you want to get a little bit more benefits, but nothing is going to be better than the official manual, or in this case, nothing is going to be more important than how your diet is and fixing that first and foremost. It's ideal to get your protein and other vitamins and minerals from real and whole food sources. Yes, you can get things like vitamin C from a pill or in liquid form, but it's not going to be superior to getting vitamin C from a citrus fruit or something along that nature because of things we still need to learn about when it comes to getting our nutrients from foods. That's because we don't know everything yet. And eating foods and having real fruits and vitamin C from something like an orange, there's a synergistic effect there with all the other ingredients that are in that fruit. The supplement industry makes billions a year, and it's a largely unregulated field. The only time a supplement will get pulled off the shelf is when it's actually been shown to do significant harm to a lot of people who actually call out the product or company. Most companies out there claim that their product has multiple benefits, but most of the time it's not proven that the product even works, so it's best to stay away from things if you don't know exactly what they are. And most of the time, you should probably just do the research yourself before buying any supplement or product off the shelf. Even when it comes to buying whey protein, which I believe is the most bought supplement, most companies claim to have whatever amount of protein per scoop, but research into this has actually shown that most companies, I want to say even up to 90% of them, they're off when it comes to proper dosage or their ingredients don't even match up to what the nutrition label says on the side of the product. Because, like I said earlier, the supplement industry is pretty much not regulated by the FDA. The amount that supplements will actually help you is likely less than 5% and probably even closer to 1% or 2% for most of the hundreds of supplements that are out there, besides the important ones that I'll cover today. And even the ones that I do cover today will still only help you a little bit. Remember, they're not altering hormones to make massive gains like something along the lines of steroids. So the first and the most researched supplement out there, creatine. And currently, this is the only supplement I'm taking while I'm in the U.S. Creatine has multiple health benefits, not just in terms of gaining muscle. There's also brain, heart, mitochondrial benefits, and antioxidants. It's beneficial for so many things, and we're still discovering more and more about it to this day. 
Yep, it did start out as a bodybuilding supplement, but it's slowly branching out into other fields as well. When it comes to being healthy, especially in the brain, where it's shown to have some positive benefits as well. On top of that, buying creatine monohydrate, which is the most superior form of it, is pretty inexpensive. I got some for less than $10 last week, and that should be good enough for a few months. It's worth the price, for sure. Now, I talked more about creatine in depth in episode 5, so I won't be diving too deep into it here, but because there's other supplements on here for me to cover, but there's still a few things I want to mention about it. Remember that the water retention that comes from taking creatine doesn't add bloat. It's going to build that water where you actually need it. That's in your muscles and your brain for energy purposes. It's not just going to go straight to your belly and add body fat. That means that even if you gain 1 to 5 pounds on the scale, it's not something to be concerned about, even though that's usually the main concern when it is brought up. So yes, this is a supplement, but you can also find it in small amounts in meats, And I ended up actually looking this up because I've heard about it being in meats, but wasn't exactly sure how much. You do lose some creatine when you cook your meats, but apparently every 1-2 to pounds of meat has about a gram of creatine. So it's clearly not a lot, and that's why supplementing with it is going to be great in terms of getting the best benefits by consuming the optimal amounts. Of course, there's going to be an exception to the rule if I say that 95% of people should take 5 grams of creatine monohydrate. Yes, if you're older and have high creatinine levels, then maybe ask your doctor before you supplement with it. But unless that's you, then it's probably a good idea to look into it and start with a low dose, like maybe 2-3 to grams, and see how that goes and see how you feel and how you perform when you're exercising. So next up is another common supplement, and that's some kind of protein. Taking whey protein can be important when it comes to building muscle and losing fat as well. Like I said earlier, it's ideal to get your body weight in pounds and protein grams. That means for me, as a 170-pound individual, it would be a good idea to consume nearly 170 grams of protein. Now, there is some leeway there. You can get away with doing something as little as 0.6 grams of protein per uh, body weight in pounds. But for most people, that does mean consuming more protein than you're currently taking in. Again, I weigh a bit over 170 pounds, so that would mean eating nearly 170 grams of protein daily in order to maximize muscle growth. Personally, I can't eat 170 grams of protein a day. I have around 3 to 6 eggs for breakfast, and even at the high end, that's 40 grams of protein for breakfast. And if I eat 30 grams of protein for the next 3 meals, that's still only 130 grams of protein my whole day. And that's pretty good, and that's what I'm currently doing right now since I don't have a protein powder currently. But if I did want to maximize muscle growth, then it would be a good idea to supplement with maybe a scoop or two of protein a day. But right now, I'm satisfied with my protein intake. I'm still noticing strength and muscle increase every week, so there's not really a need to add any more protein into my diet right now, especially because I'm honestly too cheap to buy it. But like I said, if you have the extra currency and want to make maximum possible progress, I don't know why that took me, (laughs) that was like a tongue twister, I don't know. But if you want to maximize possible progress, then use a protein powder supplement of your choice. 
And that's why supplementing with it is going to be so handy because it's going to be hard to take in an optimal amount of protein from just whole food sources, especially if you're a heavier individual. I couldn't even imagine trying to eat 200 grams of protein daily from just meat and dairy and fish sources alone every single day. So I'm a personal trainer and the amount of clients I have who under eat protein, at least initially, is going to be a high amount. I'll say like 90 to 95, 95% of them, yeah, they don't eat enough. Most of my clients are older as well, and especially when you're older, more protein intake is going to be essential when it comes to build, being healthy and improving your quality of life because it'll help maintain your muscle and lean body mass and will prevent your body from muscle wasting as you age. There's lots of options here, but I don't really suggest getting an isolate protein for most people. The powders are usually derived from dairy because that's where they get the whey protein from, and that's usually fine for most people. If you're lactose intolerant, then look up other options like soy or vegan protein. And I'm not really an expert in those categories, and I don't have a company behind me to push on you, so you're just going to have to Google that one on your own. My brand of choice living in Canada is CanadaProtein.com. And every time someone asks me where to buy their supplements, I point them in that direction 9 times out of 10. And no, that's not an ad. I don't have a code of any kind, but they do have a wide range of supplements, and they come in bulk on that website. And they sell pretty much every other supplement I'm going to mention on here. One more thing before we talk about the next supplement. Protein will help with maintaining muscle. It'll add strength. Protein keeps you fuller longer. You'll lose more weight eating a higher protein diet, and there's less muscle wasting. And try to get your protein from whole food sources first of course. That being said, a little side note, I don't advise taking weight gainers. They usually contain a lot of sugar. If you do want to make a high calorie shake, make your own out of nuts, healthy fats, and get those sugars from whole fruits that you can blend in there. So next up is caffeine, which has been proven to work, so you can take that as well. And you might already, since everyone around me drinks coffee. I personally don't, but I do have caffeine in pill form, and they're also inexpensive to get. Caffeine is another supplement that has been shown to have multiple benefits, and it's the drug that's probably taken the most by the public. It's been shown to have positive benefits in the brain and memory. It has anti-cancer benefits, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that taking caffeine every day means you're immune to cancer, so don't get the wrong idea here. Caffeine also improves productivity, could increase your strength in the gym, but it's also kind of addictive, and that's why you should be cycling it if you do regularly take it. I might be one of the only people you know that don't take it, but I do have 200 milligram caffeine pills on days where I do need it, which is probably once every two weeks or so. And while there are some benefits to taking it, there actually could be some detrimental or negative effects if you take too much, and you may become dependent on it. That being said, again, I got my pills from CanadaProtein.com, but like I said, I rarely take it. This is another supplement that's cheap to buy and take. The most known benefit of caffeine is that it gives you energy, and that's why you can find it in most pre-workout supplements out there. 
but there is a risk of overdoing it because you can build a tolerance to it so quickly. Minor issues here could be headaches, and that could lead to more serious things like sleep issues if you notice that it stops you from sleeping optimally for years. Specifically, since 99% of people out there are hooked to coffee and can't survive without having a few cups a day. That's why it's advisable to take some days off of it, resetting your body, then taking it again, and then you'll see that big benefit again. So think about laying off of it for a while because you have to remember that it is a drug that you can get addicted to or rely upon it constantly. Last but not least... Maybe you might not expect this one, but I'm going to say vitamin D, which is going to be useful for overall health purposes. I've personally never supplemented with this, but if you're someone who doesn't get out often, then this may be useful to you. It may not give you strength gains in the gym, but it's something that could prevent you from being sick, which will result in losing progress in a way. Like I said, I haven't taken it before, but it could be especially useful for me since I'm from Canada. If you live somewhere with seasons, you usually won't spend a lot of time outside during the winter months. That means for maybe half the year, you're going to be lacking in vitamin D, which could lower testosterone as well as causing other negative effects. Sunlight, which is tough to get in Canada during winter months, is a main source of vitamin D, and you could also get it from some foods like mushrooms, oily fish, red meat, organ meats, and you'll even find it in egg yolks as well. This is a vitamin that actually converts into a hormone within the body. And multiple studies have shown that vitamin D can help boost your immune system and is actually pretty good at preventing the flu. It can be effective against influenza A and not so much influenza B. So this will be useful for the current flu season, and February is the worst month when it comes to the flu, so it might be good to supplement with it, especially around this time of the year. So those are what I believe to be the most beneficial supplements out there. Those are probably going to be the most helpful to most people out there. But there are two more honorary mentions to just round out the top five or six supplements that people should take. And the last two are going to be a multivitamin and a fish oil. The multivitamin will be useful to most people, especially since our diet has evolved to a point where we're eating a lot of highly processed foods and we're forgetting or just not eating as many fruits and vegetables like we should be. Like I've repeatedly said on here, getting your vitamins and minerals from food sources, they're the superior option. But if that's a problem for you, then a good multivitamin will help you get those ingredients you may be lacking in with your day-to-day -day diet. Last one here is an omega-3 fish oil supplement. Of course, getting your omega-3s from fish would be the better idea, but if it's not consistently involved in your diet, then consider supplementing it. It's been shown to lower your blood pressure and to keep up good heart health, it could also boost your immune system and decrease inflammation throughout your body. Like I said with supplements, none of them are mandatory for you to take. That being said, the ones I take are creatine, a whey protein powder, the caffeine pills on occasion, and I also take a multivitamin along with a fish oil if I haven't been eating fish regularly. I also take beta-alanine the rare time and that could help with gym performance, 
but I don't advise most people to take it because there's more important things to fix before taking that one. And although it isn't a supplement I talked about, fiber is going to be important. And I feel like this gets brought up every two weeks on the podcast so far, but that's also important in your overall health and well-being and could help with weight loss. So there you go. Those are the top five supplements that I suggest that some people take. Topic two, compare yourself to only yourself. Compare yourself to yourself. The only person you need to beat is in the mirror. I've been there already. It took me a long time to learn this. And I'll be speaking from personal experience more into depth about this later. But I used to be that guy who just used to see other stronger people around me in the gym. So then what did I end up doing? Adding more weight to the bar, even though I know in my head my programming wasn't supposed to be such a heavy weight for that day. But because I had this internal battle in my head of, oh, I can't let him lift more weight than me, that would cause me to go above and beyond what I was planning on doing. And that's completely the wrong state of mind to be in when it comes to training. Especially with social media, it's hard not to compare yourself to other people. Or, like I said, even just when you're in the gym and see other people who are stronger than you. But in reality, the only person you should be trying to beat is yourself. And that's why I always talk about how tracking your workouts and tracking other health progress is so important. When I look at my logs, honestly, I'm kicking my own ass. My strength is reaching PRs on all fronts. I just read something the other day that said something along the lines of, your 8th grade self would be proud of where you are now. And that's definitely applicable to me, and that's how you know you're doing well in life. Yeah, things might be hard at a certain time, but you've conquered everything so far, so nothing should stop you. Remember those stressful and hard times from before? And in the present, it seemed like an impossible thing to do, but you made it, and you're here now. So be mindful. Compare yourself to your past self, It's cliche, I've talked about it before. It took me years to learn stuff like this, especially because how we've kind of grown up with social media, seeing all these perfect bodies and the strongest people on earth. Usually growing up, I only saw wrestlers and whatever the strongman event was on TV instead of sports highlights. That's the only time I saw people who were strong and looked amazing. Now, these days, I'm sure you follow at least one fitness influencer or bikini model, and that has you doubting your own self. It's good to have goals, but keep in mind you have a completely different body. You both live different lives and go through different stresses daily. So really, the only person who's getting in the way of your own goals is yourself. Reflect on what you've done weekly and monthly and even yearly. Do whatever you need to do. If it's a fitness journal or a fitness account, it could be whatever. Just track if you're on the right path, and a year from now, you could completely flip your life around. Comparing yourself to yourself is the only way to go, and I would have never got here if it wasn't for that. I'm speaking from personal experience here when it comes to this specific topic, Even though one of my best friends is actually who brought up this topic months ago, and I just felt the need to just dive more into that this time around. 
So when I say I'm speaking from personal experience, it's because a few years ago, honestly, I was really down on myself. I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I was really down and disappointed with myself. And this was just a few years ago, just in 2018. I had gone through three injuries that year, all sports related, not even gym related. And I had really negative thoughts about myself. I had an ankle injury and I never thought I'd get to a point where I'd even squat properly again. It wasn't all that serious, but serious enough to be in crutches for a week or so with another 8-12 to weeks of rehab. Then I got back to playing sports and squatting again. And a few months later, the same thing, another ankle injury, same result. Again, I recovered, and then back to sports again. And when I was at my lowest was when I decided to play basketball again, and ended up trying to brace my fall with my hand, and I ended up fracturing my thumb. Now, looking back at it, it was silly to even get upset over it, but at the time... I was sad and it actually was heartbreaking for me because of goals I had set for myself. I was bringing others down who were around me because of all the negativity towards myself and just hate towards everything that had happened at that point. It was my breaking point. I kept thinking, I'm going to give up sports forever, I'm never going to lift again, my thumb will never be the same. And like I said, I was bringing those that were close to me, I was bringing them down with my own thoughts. I just remember that was a really down time in my life, and I honestly didn't think I'd be where I'm at today if it wasn't for this whole comparing yourself to yourself thing. You just have to take things one day at a time, and if you're improving, no matter how little, you'll get to where you want to be. And that's partly why I mentioned my lifts and accomplishments in the first part of some episodes where I talk about what I've been through weekly. It's not about bragging about my strength numbers, it's about reflecting on the progress I'm making, and making sure that I'm doing better every week. Now, my strength won't just increase week by week forever, but as long as I'm doing something to improve my health, then I know that little progress will be big progress after a while. When I had those injuries, I had to take a big step back with everything going on in my life. At the time, since I was down on myself, I kind of went in the opposite direction when it comes to health. I didn't eat a lot, I lost weight, and when I did lose weight, which sounds great for most people, I was eating junk food and not really eating proper meals because I'd gotten to the point where I basically just gave up for a bit. I still remember for two weeks after my thumb injury wearing this stupid hand or thumb brace thing, I was only having one meal a day while the rest was just filled with cookies, Krispy Kreme, oh god I miss Krispy Kreme, and whatever snacks I could find because I couldn't really do anything else anyway. At that point I just let myself go. Now slowly, and I mean real slowly, I accepted the fact, okay, I got injured, now what? I eventually got to a point where I started to eat a little bit better, so at the time that literally meant just cutting out one of those snacks I was having and actually eating a proper dinner because I was so far gone at that point, eating Little Caesars pizza three times a week at one point. So slowly I started to get myself back on track, cutting out some snacks, only having that pizza maybe once a week, and cleaning up the diet slowly. 
I didn't just do it all at once because I wasn't even working out at the time anyway because my hand had to be in this brace all the time. Honestly, I thought I'd never lift again because my thumb wasn't going to heal properly and I still may never gain full function of my right and that's my dominant thumb. Probably will never gain full function of it again, but after months and months of trying and rehab and thumb and finger exercises off of YouTube, I was able to lift weights and play sports again. I couldn't throw a baseball for maybe 8 to 12 months after the injury, but it's now been over 2 years and I can pretty much do everything again, even though I do most of my gym exercises now with a thumbless grip. Even two years after the fact, my thumb will still hurt on occasion, but it's nothing I stress over anymore. It's just become something I live with and have managed to learn to work around. So the whole point of my story here is that if I didn't compare myself to my own self, I wouldn't be where I am today. Even if you haven't got injured, here's something we've all had to go through for the past year. Gym closures. At that point after my injury going through multiple rehabs, that's when I really started to track my own progress more. Whether that be health and food purposes or gym progress, I wouldn't be benching or squatting 275 or deadlifting 405 if it wasn't for tracking my progress. For most of my lifting career, I usually just went in guessing what my workouts would be and I'd eventually see progress on days where I'm feeling good. But right now is when I've consistently been strongest, because I've been tracking. Before, some days I'd do 245 on bench, some days I'd do 225, because I wasn't really tracking at the time. I'd usually just walk into the gym and do whatever felt right when I listened to my body. And you should always listen to your body, but if you just solely rely on that to make progress without any actual documentation then you'll eventually stall in whatever it is you're doing. This is why you need to track progress and make sure you're getting better, because beating your past self should always be your goal. So like I said, we're all going through it right now with gym closures. So I mentioned before that in March 2020, the gyms closed, and then they opened again in September 2020. So even though when the gyms closed, I was repping out 225 on the bench press, I took a step back when the gyms opened again and I dropped the weight to just 185 when they opened again in September. I had a plan for myself and I stuck to it. So even though people around me were pushing more weight than me, I just ignored it, just focused on my own training. The plan here was to just increase my weight on all my lifts by 5 pounds every week. Yeah, I did underestimate my strength pulling my bench all the way down to 185 but it gave my body time to acclimate and get used to the weight again as I slowly put it on the bar. So I stuck to the plan, increased the weight just 5 pounds every week, and honestly, if you take a step back and actually look at it, that's amazing progress. It might not seem like a lot of progress, it's only 5 pounds a week, it's going to take forever to get strong. Well, not really. That's a 20 pound increase a month. And if you look at it over a year, that's 240 pounds. Now, obviously, I don't expect to gain 240 pounds on any of my lifts in a single year. So eventually the progress will have to slow down. But that's when you find other ways to increase intensity during your workouts. But again, that's why tracking is so important because you're comparing yourself to yourself. 
and constantly trying to be your old self in order to gain muscle and lose more fat consistently over time. Last thing here, looking at my past year, let's go back to October 2019, I was about 3 months post rehab for my ankle injuries at that point. I was looking at my numbers earlier actually, I was 152 pounds, benching 200 pounds, squatting 185 pounds, and deadlifting 250 pounds. I was training clients pretty much only in person at this point, no online presence really. Now, a year and a bit later, I'm here on this podcast you're listening to, which I started. The podcast has its own website. I have my own website. I'm 172 pounds now. I'm up 20 pounds, and strength is reaching new levels, and everything feels good for the first time. In terms of my meals and nutrition, I always make sure to have at least two meals with vegetables daily. A year ago, I'd have vegetables maybe once every two days on average, and that makes a huge difference already. And I know I've mentioned a ton about gym progress when it comes to comparing yourself to your past self or to yourself, but this can be applied in pretty much every aspect of life, whether that be job-related, maybe money purposes, and do not compare yourself to other people. Be patient with your progress, and as long as you're working hard consistently, you'll be able to achieve whatever it is in life. And that concludes episode 18 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. Again, thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in next week with another episode where I'll be talking about rep tempo, or if you should do your reps fast or slow, and I'll talk about if kids should work out or not.